Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson, and sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know what punctuation I'm going to have at the end or like what's going My name is Joachim Eriksson, and I speak in run-on sentences. This, I do think I have something to talk about today because there is something that I am embarrassed by that I find really embarrassing, but I think if I just say it out loud, I'll realize that. I don't know. It's very possible. I was going to say, <laughs> God, so stupid. I was going to say, I'm going to say it out loud and I'll realize it's not embarrassing. Dude, that's not, I'm not kidding. I'm like actually embarrassed by this. And because I'm actually embarrassed by this, I don't truly believe it until it's true that this isn't going to be embarrassing. But okay, let's let's go through it because it's kind of a thing nested within a thing nested within a thing, you know? My name is Joachim, and I speak in run-on sentences, you know? So um, here's the things. I wrote a book. That's embarrassing. And then I turned it into an audiobook. Actually, these first two, let's not pretend. Like, uh, those are not the... That's not the active material right now that I'm, like, actively embarrassed about in this moment. The thing that I'm embarrassed about is that I then, after putting out this audiobook, I was like, in this whole project of doing it, of writing this book and turning it into an audiobook, that I had this weird feeling. It was very like, sometimes you just want something. It's very, sometimes it's very hard to explain why you want something. But in this case, what I wanted to feel finished, to get to a sense of completion with this, to, to feel like it, the whole thing is full circle, to give it a sense of symmetry, like the process of writing a book has a beginning and an end. What I wanted for the end part was I just wanted to put it on my own social media. And I, what I wanted to put on my social media was a trailer for my audiobook. And so I, oh, now we're getting into the territory of now I'm, now I'm embarrassed. It's like embarrassing because I've like already talked about this a little bit maybe it's embarrassing for a lot of reasons, but but the point the point is this: it's embarrassing because I didn't succeed right away. I made so many versions. It took me like four or five months to make. I, all I wanted was the audiobook is like eight hours. There's a prologue, which is just the beginning of the book, and if you read it out loud, it's about seventeen minutes. And I just wanted to film myself reading the first seventeen minutes, and the first thing is that I thought that it would work to lip sync to the audiobook. Because I was like, I already have this audio. It's really sort of like studio level perfection audio. So I'll just use that audio and then I'll just record video of myself reading to the audio and I'll put it over and it'll be great. That doesn't work. Like an audiobook is not rhythmic. I feel like I've mentioned this before, but it's not it it just doesn't have the musicality or the rhythm or that you can't lip sync to something that's not music apparently. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I'm so stupid and annoying. Okay, 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 okay. Stop, 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 stop. I have to stop saying that I'm stupid. That's not the point of this. So, I made a version my landlady forgot not forgot put, I don't know, left a bathtub in my yard all the way over by the fence. There's a bathtub on some cinder blocks. Um, someone has looked at it and said, oh, you have a hippie tub in your bath backyard? So apparently that's called a hippie tub, 
when there's just like in your on the lawn, just like in your yard, you just have a bathtub. So I was like, yep, I guess I have what's called a hippie tub. And then so I one thing I did was I um I took a tripod and I filmed myself reading the book in there. And it was it looked terrible. And then you get to this other question of like Dude, to do something and make it look neutral, all I wanted was, I just want neutral. I just want something that just gives off a neutral vibe that doesn't, I guess, I guess I it was a slow process of realizing this, but like, I just want something that looks normal. Maybe in the beginning, I thought I wanted something that looks professional, but then I realized I just want something that looks neutral. But what what you realize when you try to do stuff is that when you, whenever you try to tr- create content, whatever it is, there's like a vehicle and there's a message and the vehicle needs to be invisible. And because the vehicle is invisible, it makes it seem like there is just a message. And because there's just a message, it makes the whole thing seem like it's super easy. Like if you go on YouTube and you watch a video by Mr. Beast, there's like just this quality to the whole thing where it seems so meaninglessly easy to make. Because it's just a guy and he's talking and people are running around and you're you're looking at it and it's it, it just looks so easy to make. Or like when you listen to really simple music, it just has this quality to it of like, this seems so easy to make. But it's like, that's because there's 10,000 hours behind it of getting all, like that's because they do a really good job hiding the 10,000 hours of practice it took to make it. In, to make the journey to the simple thing invisible. It's so fucking crazy. And so basically I started out feeling like I want something that just looks a little bit professional and cool. And then I realized that that's just way too hard. So then I was like, I just want something neutral. And then that's also incredibly hard. And then after filming myself in the backyard and different things, like with just grapes behind me, like the, <laughs> There's so many things that aren't obvious if you never try it. Like, I realized that you can't film in direct sunlight. It looks fucking crazy. And then when you watch stuff, like, once you've noticed these things, once you put on Netflix and watch anything, you realize that nothing is ever filmed in direct sunlight because direct sunlight makes everything look crazy. And this is, like, an incredibly sunny part of California, and there's no way to, like, avoid... Anyway, because I really had an idea of wanting to do it outdoors. The first idea was actually the most neutral thing that I was thinking, the absolute first idea was, I just want footage of me laying in the grass um, reading a book, just laying on my back in the grass, maybe a pillow under my head, maybe not. I'll see how the colors look with or without a pillow. I'll just be a guy laying in the grass reading a book and that'll be the trailer. And I had just had this idea. It's so fucking interesting that the disconnect between you have an idea and trying to execute it and realizing that it's like, not possible or that you literally will have to dedicate the next few years of your life on honing your skill to get to a level where you can actually execute on. I don't know. I I might be just really picky. I might be not very good at executing on stuff, but actually pretty good at judging if something is good or not. Because I really did make 
dozens of versions of this. I filmed myself dozens of times. And so I tried to do it in the grass. And then whatever grass I picked, I'm like, I have all this grass in my backyard. So I was like, I'll just do it in the grass in my backyard. And then when I actually film it, the grass in my backyard looks so sad. And then when you, when I'm like Googling like video of person in grass, you realize that all grass that makes it into video is such unrealistically perfect grass that like you have never actually seen grass like that in real life almost ever. And that's like another example of like the vehicle becoming invisible because it's like we are so trained on the hyper-realism of well-executed everything in every media, in every art form that we consume, you know? be it, you know, sound or visual or whatever, that we're so trained on everything being so perfectly executed that like when you actually see just real grass, that's actually very distracting because it looks so shitty. And making something that's not distracting in, oh yeah, anyway, I'm ranting in a both overly obvious and also impossible to understand way. Anyway, so... The next thing that I was trying to do is that I had this idea that, okay, fine, the outdoor shit doesn't work, but what looks, what kind of looks cool actually is a shot straight from above indoor. And so I had this idea that I wanted to do, I'm laying on a bed. It's a completely symmetrical shot. The bed, it's shot straight from above. The bed is incredibly just centered in the screen. And there's very little detail, and I'm just laying in the absolute center of the bed, and I'm holding a book, and I just read a book for 17 minutes, and then that's the video. Just, I just want it to be simple. I just want it to be clean. I'll just wear, you know, black pants, white shirt. I'll wear black socks, white sheets, just like very little color, maybe like a dark brown headboard, maybe like a beige carpeting around the bed, maybe like red brick along the wall, because I wanted to do like a 0.5, you zoom out, like a fisheye lens effect a little bit, but I want it to be symmetrical. And it's like, there's something about symmetry that I was so fooled by where I thought that making something symmetrical was like, at least symmetrical is easy. At least if you just shoot something straight from straight ahead, it's, it'll automatically be symmetrical and, you're, that's, and you, you at least have the symmetry going for you there. Dude, it's impossible to shoot anything symmetrically. And like, here's the most embarrassing thing where I was like, I, I kept watching all these Wes Anderson movies because Wes Anderson movies, they just have this, <laughs> this quality to them where like each frame, each scene, there's a lot of scenes shot with like a a, 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 a fixed camera. So the whole frame is like curated perfectly where like there's a lot of cluttered stuff around the edge of it. And then there's like, softer emptier space within that and then in the very center it's more like where the action is where maybe there's two characters talking and everything about like the palette of color is so thought out on every frame and everything about like the detail and the like there's so much atmosphere that goes into there's so much suggestion of what decade you are in based on like the countless trinkets just sort of littered across the screen everything looks so littered but it's so perfect and everything is so symmetrical and the font use is incredible and then so i i, I just had this idea that like 
Wes Anderson keeps making these movies, a two-hour movie. The, some of the scenes, like, he edits them so quick. Like, not that he edits them quickly. It, it's a very quick style where, like, a scene can be, like, three seconds and then you cut to something else. And it doesn't matter how short the scene is. Each frame is just beautiful. So I was like, if he can make, if he can make 200 beautiful scenes in a two-hour movie, can't I make one frame? Like, can't I curate? Can't I... I, I kept Googling how do you shoot from straight from above, and the thing, the way to do it is literally to just take duct tape, tape your phone to the ceiling, and it becomes this, like, the ceiling is fucking 90-degree angle from the wall, and it's completely parallel to the floor, and you're going to end up with really good symmetry. Just tape your phone to the ceiling. And so I did that, and you do get a little bit of symmetry there. So then I was like, okay. I'll take this shot and I'll just curate it and I'll make it nice. Dude, it's impossible. Like the level of how impossible it is, it's like, <laughs> it's, oh God. Yeah, so it, it, I almost lost my mind. I spent four or five months on this. And it was really a thing where I would, I kept sending these versions to friends because right when I made them, I couldn't tell if they were horrible or not. So I would like send them to friends and be like, well, how cringe is this? And my friends would be like, <laughs> I send it to, to Julie Kennedy and she was like, yeah, this is very cringe. I sent her the one where I was sitting in a bathtub reading the book and she's like, this is very cringe, but maybe you're just cringe. And that made me feel very bad. And then I sent them to Maddie and Maddie was just being way too supportive. And she was, <laughs> whatever I sent her, she was like, this is incredibly good. And then I sent a bunch of them to my buddy Sam. And she was like, dude, this is, this sucks. But she kept, <laughs> she kept telling me. The thing is that she's like at UCLA going to school in a grad school program for directing and cinematography. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like. She was telling me that it was so bad that I should stop trying and just give up and just use what I already had, which is actually, that actually makes me think of how that is a piece of, that is a form of feedback that I give to people sometimes when I like really look at them and I'm like, you don't, like, you don't have it. Like, you're not him, dude. You don't have what it takes so this attempt that you did, like, there's no way for you to go from this attempt that you're showing me to succeeding. So you should just be happy with this attempt here. It's very, very bad, but you should be happy with it. Like, that is that is feedback I give people sometimes when that's honestly how I feel. Maybe I'm not a very supportive person, but, you know, maybe I'm... Sam is the one who got me to keep going, you know? So I kept making versions, and then um, I finally just realized that all of these things around my house, all of these, like, areas around my house are, they look shitty. Like, I don't live in a fancy house, and there's no way to doll up my shitty little cottage to look normal. So I started kind of looking around town if there was a thing where, you know, maybe like, could I shoot at the library? And it's like, I'm already so embarrassed to be doing this that I, am I going to read this in front of people? Like, are there going to be people there? And then I was like, oh, maybe there's a bookstore. Like, maybe there's a fucking abandoned bookstore somewhere. And I asked Maddie, and she's like, yeah, there's a store called Booktown Books, which 
I was hanging out with Eric Krasny this week, and he walked past. Eric Krasny is this guy I haven't met for 12 years, and we went to school in Sweden together, and then he visited me here in California randomly 12 years later, and he's walking around. And there's so many things where I am so weirded out by everything that I can't really tell what's actually weird around here. And then he walks up to me, and he points to a sign, and he goes, that's that's weird. That that bookstore is called Booktown Books. That's That's redundant. That's weird. And I, I, I thought about it and I was like, he, he's right. That is weird. Um, so I thought about shooting in there, but it's like, there's an old man in there, you know? Like, what, am I going to ask the old man? No. So in the very end, I fucking swallowed. I just carried the fucking dog head to the top of the mountain and I just swallowed every little bit of pride. And I asked my boss if I could just shoot it at work because I work in a place that visually looks very good. And it looks neutral and it looks simple and it looks, it's, it, it, a lot of people come in and want to shoot things at where we work. And, and also people want to get married because it makes for a good photo. And, and so I was like, fine, fuck it. I'll do it there. And, um, I was like, I'm going to tape my fucking phone to the ceiling in a hotel room at this fancy hotel, and I'm going to lay completely in the middle of a bed, and I'm going to shoot myself reading this book. And God, that was harder than it sounded, dude. It was, first of all, the ceiling is too high. It's like a super tall ceiling. So, and, and I kept running into this problem where like, I will work a full day and finish at like midnight or 1 a.m., and my boss was like, yeah, you can use a room. Use a room. You just check whatever's available. Just use it. And she was so, she's so fucking supportive, dude. And like, she kept, I was so embarrassed to ask. And she was like, do it. And also, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Okay? And it's like, do you understand what a sensitive little whiny, like weak, poorly put together little boy I am and how I have all these mommy issues where I just need someone to be so nice to me. So much male fragility going on over here. And then for someone to see that and take pity upon it and just be like, whatever you want. And also I look forward to listening to it. It's like, you you don't understand how much that act of charity means to me. It means so much to me. Anyway, so I kept running into this problem though, where it's like it's a I'm, I work in this hotel that was built in 1852, and it's an historic building with very thin walls. So we have quiet hours starting at 10 p.m. or or midnight on weekends, meaning that like if someone in room eight is talking up a storm with their buddy, you can hear that in room seven, and then room seven will call down to the front desk, and then the front desk will call the office and be like, "Hey, dude, room eight is complaining that room seven is." is um, being loud. And then I'm the only one who's big boy enough to go up there and tell him. So then I go up and I knock on the door of room seven and t- say, hey, quiet hours is going. We're, I'm so sorry. Could you, We got to bring it down. And the, here, the thing is, I'm the guy in room seven. I am both the guy in room seven talking to himself into a microphone and the guy who has to tell everyone to be quiet. So I kept running into this problem where I'm like, it's 2 a.m. and everyone can hear what I'm doing. I think it's all in my head. But like, I'm quietly trying to carry a ladder into a room at 2 a.m. 
to get to this tall ass ceiling to uh, to tape my phone to the ceiling. And then when I tape my phone to the ceiling, I realize it's just too high up. And also there's a light fixture blocking the whole thing. Like, dude, getting to a non-undistracted form of art, like creating a piece of art or a piece of content where people aren't distracted by the poverty of your execution, it's so difficult like you have an idea and you want to execute on the idea, having people actually notice the idea and not just the poverty of your execution of the idea is so difficult in every form of media that exists that I've ever fucked around with. It's so like I'm shooting this perfect video, but there's a light fixture in the middle of the screen. Do you understand how distracting that is? Like imagine a Wes Anderson frame. But there's just a light fixture. Like, it's not even explainable because if you actually think about that, we are so trained to just see things that look good that when I say a Wes Anderson movie where there's a light fixture in the way, I think of it as cool. I think of it as, what if it looks cool? What if it's a light fixture that's like blocking in a symmetrical shooting way from bottom right to top left and there's a big bulb at the end and and you can see the man sticking up to the right of the light fixture and you can see the woman crouching below the light fixture and they're speaking and they're speaking through the light fixture and the light fixture is a metaphor for like some thing that's going on that's that's between them and it's like the the heavy big bulbous white light between them and they're kept apart by something and it's like it could look so cool and the colors of the brass in the light fixture with the color of the rest of the palette but in reality when you make something bad it's just like no that just looks bad so it didn't look good so then I had to tape my phone to the light fixture so that the light fixture is not in between the bed and the thing. But then you lose the whole thing of how taping to the ceiling, at least that gives you perfect symmetry because you're perfectly parallel to the floor. Now instead I'm like, this janky thing is just wobbly hanging from the light fixture. So then I had to, and now it's like 3 a.m., you know? I've worked, I work a 12-hour day. I finish like after midnight and then I'm like working on this for hours in a room. Just, I, for some reason, we, we, it's so easy to think that things are easy. Like, if you just want something that looks neutral, don't you just put up a tripod and then do it, and then it looks neutral and it doesn't look special. Like, sure, if you want something special with fireworks, that takes a little bit of preparation. But if you just want something neutral, where people are not distracted by how shitty your execution is, isn't that simple? So I was like, filming a 17-minute video, huh, maybe I'll give myself some extra time. Maybe that'll take 25 minutes. And then... I go up to do it, and three hours later, I'm like, haven't even f- started figuring out how I'm doing this. But so at 3 a.m., I'm like, uh, going through the recycling, trying to find a perfectly sized cardboard box that I can tape to the side of this light fixture, which is which is like a brass thing sticking straight down. So I can tape it flush against the brass thing, and then the 90 degree angle of the cardboard box will be usable because I cut a hole at the bottom of the cardboard box and put my phone flush against the bottom of the box and now I'm filming straight down and it could be a good angular symmetrical thing that's not uh, directly on the ceiling. So I'm like I find a box cutter, I find the perfect size fucking cardboard box uh, 
It was actually, we had ordered decanters for the restaurant, crystal decanters, and they came in a box within a box, and the outer box was a cardboard box, and that was the perfect size. So I take that, and I find a box cutter, and I cut a hole, and I find the good tape, and I tape the box to the light fixture, cut a hole in it, put my phone there, and it, and lay down on the bed, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because it looks, first of all, even though I'm doing the sort of fisheye lens effect, you still can't see anything more than just a bed. I don't know. I can't even describe why it didn't work. It just looked terrible. There was nothing, It there was nothing, all the cool stuff of the historic hotel where I'm working, where it's like exposed brick walls, exposed stonework, um, brass detailing, accent colors that are really tasteful, all this like black steel, you know, all these like cool um, design choices. None of that, none of that um, translated over into a frame that's only a big white bed, a big white bed that looks really crowded in the frame because it doesn't have like a big white bed, even if it's symmetrical in the middle of the frame, needs like some breathing space visually around it. It needs to have like a bezel. It needs to have a border and be framed nicely. And the border needs to be like equal above and below. And when it's a bed where it's like not properly centered, like the bed needs to be centered in this frame. But it also doesn't work to like shoot it and then recrop it because you can like see what angle you're shooting from. You can see that this was actually shot from the f- from a camera hanging over the foot end of the bed and that you just cropped it to give you equal bezel around the whole bed. It, it just doesn't work. So, I, and, and the, here's the thing. I spent like an hour in fucking room 17 trying to tape it to the light fixture in room 17. And then I'm like, this room doesn't work. So I just go to the next room. Because, I mean, I have a key to all the rooms. So I just go to the next goddamn room. And I just try the whole thing again with the light fixture in there. And this room has a couch. And the couch is kind of in the frame. So I'm like, that's kind of cool. And I try it and it doesn't work. It's completely asymmetrical and it looks like shit. And then I go to room seven. I go from 17 to 16 to seven. And each time I'm like carefully trying to not mess anything up because this is a clean room that we're really hoping to like, I'm hoping to not have to put a, you know, room attendant in the room tomorrow to clean up my own mess. You know, I need to just not leave any tape pieces, not leave any pieces of cardboard, not like make it so that you have to vacuum in there again. And the bed needs to look immaculate so I can't like actually lay on it. I have to just like, experiments kind of actually laid on it though but then you can yeah anyway um so then i end up in a third room and i i do it again and and it's like dude it yeah i don't know it doesn't work so then i just um realized that i should just sit in a chair and just film myself on a tripod and i should just do the background and i should just include some of these actual design choices of the historic hotel the exposed brick wall um, contrasting against like a white wallpapered wall and like clean, very, very tall white uh, curtains, marble top, you know, round side table, nice, um, you know, old wood chair, just like all these design choices, a, a sort of narrow brass side lamp that's like a floor standing lamp that's very tall and narrow and like cool looking like I could get all these things in a frame and I was like but it was 4 a.m so so I um 
I gave up and I drove home and I was like, tomorrow I'll bring my tripod and I'll do it again. And I just did it again. And it took like three more hours the next day. And then I did a many, many, many shots, many um, just versions of it. And then I take it home and I'm like, I'm just, I, I get, I come home and I'm like, I'm looking at it and I think it looks kind of good. And I just feel so sad because I spent so much time on it. Like I had this problem in my brain where I'm like, I just look at stuff, everything I like that I think is beautiful, all the music I think is beautiful, all the images I think is beautiful, all the video I think is beautiful. I just think it's all, I look at it and it looks so simple and it's the simplicity that I think is beautiful. And I just tell myself that it must be really easy to make something simple and then it and then i try to do it myself and it never is and then i spend so much time on it and then i'm left not with a sense of success that i finally did it in the end but i i'm just left with this like profound sadness because there's this misalignment between my expectations of what it will feel like to make something and like what it actually feels like to make something that or the sleep deprivation because i like work 12 hours a day and then i want to do stuff so I like spend five more hours on stuff after I work 12 hours you know maybe that's why I feel flat emotionally flat because I'm just sleep deprived and everything is hard <sighs> and I don't drink enough water hold on I have to have a sip of water so yeah I'm home I send it to Sam I feel kind of sad Sam shits all over it because she doesn't like the vibe because I'm wearing a mandarin collar shirt like a like a white shirt that doesn't actually have a collar. And it's she thinks the hotel looks kind of vintage and the shirt looks kind of vintage. So it's kind of like a white person from a bygone era talking about China and she thought that was problematic. And I'm just like, dude, I, I you're probably right. You're probably right. This is probably still shitty, but I'm not a cinematographer. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't know what to do. I can't do it better than this. So I just abandoned it. I gave up. And when I say abandoned, I mean I decided that it was finished, you know? And I think the truth is, for the entire process, the truth is that I wanted to... Oh, now we're getting to the really embarrassing stuff. Okay, so here's the thing. That, here's the conversations I was having with Sam. That's getting to the really embarrassing stuff. She kept, I kept sending her these versions. She's like, this visually doesn't make any sense. And like, what are you trying to do? Like, show me an example of what you're trying to do. And I'm like, look, I'm trying to make a video trailer for my audiobook. And she's like, show me an example of that. Has anyone ever done a video trailer of an audiobook? And we... <laughs> We have this thing, her and me, where we, we have we talk about stuff and we talk about all these really out there ideas that we have. And oftentimes she look, she's a documentary fucking filmmaker and a director of these like short films and stuff. And she has these really crazy ideas. And a lot and I, you know, I do my stuff and a lot of times we have to tell each other, like, look. If you're trying to make something and it's going to be the first time anyone has ever made it, that's probably just like a lot of people tried before and it just doesn't work. 
It just doesn't come together artistically. It just doesn't, there's something in the aesthetics of what you're trying to do that just won't work. And <laughs> we really rubbed up against that here because <laughs> she kept telling me like, she kept being like, find me one example, like one example of someone that has created a video which is a commercial for an audiobook. And I was like, yeah, but you know, like commercials for audiobooks. And she's like, no, I don't know. Show me one. And I'm looking and I realized that they don't exist. There are no trailers for audiobooks. There are no commercials for audiobooks. There's very little marketing for audiobooks. There might be a little blurb, like there might be a banner ad for a Harry Potter audiobook, but there's no video. There's no, there's nothing, you know? There's book readings and not even very many. But, like, there's video of book readings in the sense of, like, yeah, this author wrote this book and he's coming to the library in your town and you can go buy tickets and it's cheap. And if you buy a ticket, you get a free book and he's going to read an excerpt from his book. That exists and sometimes people have filmed it and that's, like, the closest approximation to what I was trying to do that even exists. So we kept being like, yeah. But I wanted to do it. And here's why I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it because, this is so embarrassing, but I wanted to do it because I wanted someone, to, because I was on these dating apps and the dating apps weren't working very well. Oh God. And I just felt like the dating app isn't a good market it's not a good marketplace it's not a good like presentation of a person it's not a good presentation of me like someone looking at my and this is really fueled by like i hang out with steph stephanie at work she is such a star she works super hard and she makes good money at the restaurant and she goes to cosmetology school or some shit after work and she gets some cosmetology license and she rents this big old house and she breaks up with the boys when they don't treat her good and um, she's going to convert this big old house that she has. It's like a two-story house that she's renting. She's going to convert part of it to a cosmetology studio and she's like incredibly pretty. She just cut bangs yesterday and she looks like like a Mexican Audrey Hepburn, and she told me that. And when she said it, I was like, it's so weird for someone to be so aware of how pretty they are, but to still be nice about it. And so I'm saying all of that just to say that Stephanie is such a fucking catch. Like, she is so... um, She's just such a, like, em emotionally mature, um, nice, like, really interesting, funny, just like a great person. She's a catch. And she's my buddy. And I hang out with her. And sometimes I have, um, especially this one time, we were hanging out, her and me and Kelly, and Stephanie was on the dating apps. And her and Kelly were doing it. Girls do it in a group. Like, boys, boys are so embarrassed by the whole thing that boys do it alone. It's very shameful. It's like going to the bathroom. Boys don't go to the bathroom as a group. Uh, Girls go to the bathroom as a group and they're on dating apps as a group. It's almost because it's embarrassing they want to do it as a group. But so they're doing it as a group and and Steph is like showing us the profile of someone and Kelly is like, oh, gross, Oroville, next. And Steph <laughs> swipes on him and then Kelly's like, oh, gross, 
weird beard. Next. And then it's like, oh, he's holding up a fish. Next. Uh, sunglasses in the main picture. Next. And then the next one is like, he looks kind of rich. So, so Kelly's like, okay, well, maybe we look a little bit closer on this one. But the point is that like, they, they, uh, they, dis like, they are very anti every single boy on there. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, dude, some of those dudes look like good dudes. Like they look like normal, hardworking, kind of handsome, kind of cool dudes. And it's so unfair, it's so unfair for for these women to sit in a group and be like, that guy sucks. It's such a weird, it, it's actually making me feel like it's such a weird, it's almost like in the wilderness of reality, the dating pool is like, power is wielded in this way that maybe women are like uncomfortable with so then the way women wield dating app power is like almost a sort of revenge like there's a little bit of a revenge ecstasy to how women um use dating apps (laughs) and how they how they will like match with a bunch of guys and then when the guys say nice stuff they're like oh you're gross and then they block them and it's like it's it's pretty mean like i'm pretty aware of a lot of women that use dating apps in kind of a mean way and it's like as a dude on there i don't know like women aren't really mean to me on the dating apps but but um they're definitely they're definitely a little bit weird and it definitely yeah um so I think the point of it is that, like, I was feeling just bad about dating apps because I was feeling like this is not a good way for me to present myself. Like, some poorly taken photo from six years ago and, like, two sentences of text or, like, you can record 10 seconds of audio and you can, like, fill out three blurbs and, like, that's supposed to... And and really, okay. So I'm saying it in the wrong way because I'm really not saying it in in a in a linear, one dimensional way. Of everyone can be ranked from zero to ten, and I think I'm a nine, but on the dating apps, I'm a six. And now I don't mean like looks. I mean like the whole package, just like your value. It's like I'm saying, oh, on the dating apps, I seem like a four, but I'm actually an eight. That's not actually what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it's just not a good way to find someone in terms of compatibility, because like, I'm a little bit quirky, you know, like I'm kind of a weird guy. And honestly, the podcast is kind of a good filter because it's like, it's, this podcast is a little bit, it's a little bit quirky, you know, and I have friends and, and some of my friends listen to the podcast and some of my, some of, it's really acquaintances. It's actually mostly acquaintances that people that I'm not actually super close to or see very much that listen to the podcast. But then the people that handle it well, because it's quite challenging to handle the parasocial relationship of a podcast where you as the listener know so much intimate stuff about me and I know nothing about you. It's, it's, people get, some listeners get confused about it and they weird me out and they think that we have a mutual intimacy, but then other people just don't make me feel uneasy about it. And they just hit me up with a bunch of stuff where they're like, I don't know. It's I was talking to um I was talking to Sam about it and I actually had a very hard time putting my finger on why some people make me uncomfortable when they t- 
tell me that they've listened to 30 episodes and then other people tell me they listened to 30 episodes and I just feel this sense of intimacy with them as they speak. I just feel like there's a closeness and I feel seen and I feel like I see them in that moment as they are speaking and I feel like it's this little, like in the black, vast fucking blackness of loneliness that life is, it's, it just becomes this like little crack, little sliver of light that just shines through where it's like, I'm just vibrating in this sense of connectedness for like a moment. And it's so hard for me to explain why some people listen to 30 episodes and just make me feel like, ooh, bad, uncomfortable. It's I, there no there's no pattern to it, like you know it's not that those people are more obsessive or like like Katie, my buddy in Sacramento, this sort of like goth goth Mexican chick. This yeah, I like Katie a lot. She is super obsessed with the podcast, and she's just like the coolest person in the whole fucking universe to me. Like I just think she's just just about the best. She's the cat's nipples or whatever the expression is. But um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. We're getting to the point here now. The point is, um, I think the podcast is a good example. Is a Maybe, I think, okay, I said that in way too much of a definitive voice. I started that sentence using a really definitive voice, and I don't mean this definitively. I'm considering how maybe the podcast is a way for me to... Um, present myself as a quirky person and maybe if you listen to it, you can... Now I'm talking almost in a... Oh, I don't know how to talk about this. It's like from a dating point of view. It's like a dating profile of me doesn't feel like a good filter for me to filter out people that I'm not going to actually be interested. But, but, but if someone... Like a lot of... Uh, multiple times... Um, I would match with someone on a dating app and they would either I would work it into the conversation because I'm a cool fucking guy or they would literally Google me and just find it that I had a podcast and they would listen to it. And then it's just a filter, you know, half of them would fall off and be like, yeah, dude, that's going to be a no for me, dog. And the other half would listen to a number of episodes and then we would go on a first date. I've probably been on a first date with someone maybe four or five times where they have done their homework, <laughs> where they've done their homework and acquired a very, like, strange asymmetrical amount of information about me that I put out there. And so all of that is to say that the truth is that I don't actually think like the podcast isn't really the thing I'm proud of because it's kind of more um, my a form of self-care and how I work on myself. The thing I'm proud of is actually this novel that I wrote that I actually think is a really good um, piece of art. And I believe that. I think it's good. I think it's a highly readable, highly entertaining, highly smart novel that I put 15 years of ideas into. Brief. A brief it's a it's not a long novel, it's brief and I crammed 15 years like 
every paragraph contains like an idea of mine. So that's what I'm proud of. So when Sam is like, hey, what are you doing? What are you trying to make? What do you mean a trailer for an audiobook? Show me someone else that did that. Does that even exist? What I'm really thinking secretly that I never say out loud to Sam is, hey, Sam, I got to make this new thing that doesn't exist because I think that it will be a thing that's a good filter for me in a, in a dating sense where like I want to put myself out there with this and I want someone to see it and I want someone to look and I want the right person to like all the people I'm not going to get along with anyway. I want them to look at it and say, ew, cringe. And then the person or the person I will get along with anyone or someone I could get along with would look at it and be like, well, this is, this seems kind of interesting. You know? This quirky fella seems kind of interesting. This Paul Dano looking motherfucker, you know? And so secretly, that's what I wanted. Secretly, I just want to put myself out there a little bit because I don't know how to go to bars and not drink. I don't drink anymore. I don't know how to go to bars. I don't want to go to the fucking South Yuba Club to with Javi to... Like, I don't want to, like, creep on girls at the gym. That's, like, how people do it in this county. And, like, I, I can't. Like, I can't do that. And then the dating apps, they don't feel like a proper way. It doesn't seem like something that works properly. Uh, the only girls I was matching with on the dating apps are 25 years old. I don't even – I don't even understand what that's about. Like, I'm 36. And on the dating apps – the girls have all the power, and the only girls that ask me out are 25 years old. Uh, so stupid. I'm so factually incorrect. Uh, regardless, that's what I was secretly thinking about it. And then here, so yeah, so look, it's embarrassing. I wanted to just, oh God, I'm no, oh God. I was hoping to say this out loud. And then if I just say it out loud, I'll realize it's not embarrassing. But like, I am more embarrassed in this moment than I've been about it before. Okay. So the thing is that I did it. I, I made the video. I shot it at Holbrook. I thought it looked pretty good. I edited it a little bit and you know, I put it on all my, all my social media and people were very, very nice about it. And a lot, uh, and like 40 people bought the book and a lot of people sent me messages. And I just like connected with a lot of people that I haven't talked to for like 15 years. And it gave me so many things that I wanted from it. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then... And then I don't know how to talk about this next part because then this next part is that then I got like this DM from this girl and she was like, hi, Joe Kim. I didn't know you were a writer. And then we just like talked a little bit and it's like this person I know of. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I almost want to make this a conversation about daydreams because daydreaming is this thing where I really think I find myself ruminating on stuff in negative ways. And then I find myself daydreaming about stuff in positive ways. And I find that I can find so much 
of my own psychology that I don't understand is explained to me in my daydreaming. Because daydreaming will be these like really, really obscure scenarios of like I'm in a big room and there's like a really, really specific mix of people in the room. And then something very, very cool will happen to me in the room. And it will happen in front of this very specific mix of people. And when I sit and meditate on why my brain wants to produce that scenario, wants to fantasize about that scenario, it's like I'm realizing that that very specific mix, those are the people I respect and the people I want to impress, the people in that room. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah. The weird thing is like there's like this one person that everyone that I want to impress, everyone that I want to impress thinks this person is really cool. And then that's the person that slid into my DM, DMs and was like, oh, I didn't know you were a writer. And then we talked a bunch and then I asked her out and then we went on a date. I wish, I wish, nah, I can't really talk about it. It'll be more fun if I just bring her on the podcast and we talk about it. But, um, it turned into a very specific situation of like, it's like, it's so hard to untangle. It, it, the ego is so, ego is so confusing. It's so hard to untangle like, am I, do I want to go on a date with this person? Because everyone around me that I'm trying to impress would be so impressed if I go on a date with this person. Or do I want to go on a date with this person because I want to go on a date with this person? Like, is it all just reflection? Is it all just like third part, third hand? Like it's, is, is this just because like, <laughs> you know, because I'm at work and I'm like shooting the shit with some of my work besties and I float the idea to them and their jaws just drop and they're like, what? You're going to go on a date with her? And they're so fucking amused by it and it's so funny. It's like, do I want to go on a date with her because they would be impressed, they would be, they would think it's the best gossip of the year. <laughs> I don't know. It's really funny and interesting to try to unpack. But so anyway, so this thing, this whole thing happened. The exact thing that I wanted, you put a video out trying to, it's yourself, you know? When you put out art or something that you think of as your art, other people might not think of it as art at all. But you think of it as art and it is your art. And when it is your art, it is a little piece of you. And when you put it out and someone looks at it and says, oh, cool, you feel like they're saying that you, that they think you, like you think they're talking about you. That's what it feels like. Like that is the experience of putting a little piece of yourself out there in the form of what you think of as your art. And so the vulnerability of that means that you can be destroyed or you can be put into a state of complete ecstasy and then to have someone that everyone think yeah so i put a part of myself out secretly hoping that someone would be like oh cool you want to go on a date and then the next thing that happened after i put it out was someone sent me a message said oh cool you want to go on a date and i just manifested the whole thing it was like exactly 
what I was like I was I was like trying to create this really obscure specific scenario of posting a video on Instagram and having a person appear in my life and then exactly that happened and then it's like there's so much like weird intimacy expect like expectation of intimacy in this daydream that I have before things happen that the whole thing is like super convoluted and abstract and weird in my head because I'm like is this person even a real person or like is this like a weird fever dream like is am I is this just a daydream that I'm living now or like on what level of like what level of reality am I at now am I at the dream one or the waking one or the waking one where I just invent things like what level am I on right now and so when I'm in the actual reality state and I'm realizing that I've like manifested a human being who's asking me if I want to go on a date and then the f there's a few days before we're going on a date dude I put myself into such a strange state of anxiety because it I realized that it's not all good you know it's not all good doing this thing where like oh you think you want to go on a date with someone who is that you're going on a date with just because everyone that you everyone that you actually spend time with in real life thinks this person is incredibly cool so you want to go on a date with her because everyone is just fawning over how cool she is and like <laughs> Like if you do that, the thing is that it creates like an incredibly weird set of stakes where like the normal stakes are you go on a date and if it doesn't work out, that's fine because it didn't work out. Like if you go on a date and you weren't compatible, then good that you discovered that. It's good that you discovered that you weren't compatible. So now you don't have to waste time on that anymore. It's like... There is really a way to ask someone out and put yourself in a mind in a headspace of this is like this is not actually something to be that nervous about. This is something where I can kind of focus on something else and be productive about something else before and maybe after going on the date. But it's like here in this case because the situation was so weird that I was like that I had like manifested a human being over 6 months of obsessing about getting a piece of 17 minute piece of video perfect the weird thing is that then i edited it wrong or like i i i edited all these versions and i made them i i looked at them so many times to get the perfect one and then i accidentally uploaded the wrong one so i actually <laughs> you know i made this like perfect one that had like perfect audio and and then I just uploaded one that starts with me just making mouth noises for like six seconds. And somehow I still manifested a human being out of thin air that came at me and was like, oh, cool. You want to go on a date? And so then in the 48 hours before going on that date, dude, I um, got to a state of anxiety partly because of the manifesting and partly because of I've now told some of these people in advance, the people that. Um, the people that I'm so worried about impressing, the people I'm so worried about being cool in front of, 
I've told this is really good for me to say out loud, actually, because it's so like it's so corrupting to worry about this stuff, to worry about who do you want to who do you want to who do you want to have look at you and be like, oh, wow, you're so cool. Yeah, it's stupid. It's weird. I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) there's something, there's something. I just love gossip, you know? I just love gossip, and it just felt like I had this hot goss. So I, like, told a few people about the goss before going on the first date. And that didn't help with the anxiety because it just made it this thing where it's like, if this... If this quite strange, like if this kind of weird setup that I'm going for here doesn't, like if this, like we're going, we're walking into this first date with like a weird um, sense of asymmetrical hyper intimacy and we're, and it really can make it, possibly can make it very weird. And if I'm also making it high stakes that it has to work out because I told a number of people that it was going to happen and now they're going to ask me how it went. It's like, dude, I got to a state of such anxiety. Like I didn't eat anything for like 48 hours. I didn't like, I couldn't operate. And I was really, I was texting Maddie and I was like, dude, this, like how I'm feeling now, nothing is worth it. Like this is not worth it. Like life is literally not worth it. Like I feel so bad right now that like nothing that happens after this can make up for how bad I feel right now. Like I just feel horrible. Like my body is hurting. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm just anxious. And it's like some weird, really complicated Jenga tower of anxiety and being cool and feeling cool and ego and impressing everyone and and like hopes and dreams for the future and manifesting stuff and being vulnerable and putting yourself out there and making art and like all too many things got involved in this like tornado of anxiety at the same time that I was just like, this is like going to be an actual complete train wreck of a situation. And my stomach is killing me. And I wasn't having a good time, bro. I wasn't having a good time at all. And then, yeah, and then, you know, yeah, then we, then the time rolled around when I was going to take her out on a date and I like was going to, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We should just talk about it. I should talk about it with her on the podcast. But but I like went to her house and and it was weird because we were like both. There was a mutuality to the weirdness. She attained symmetry. There was something symmetrical. It was like symmetrical parasocial friendship. Uh, and there was a symmetrical quality to the whole thing. And like less than... Something like 90 seconds into meeting her, I like kissed her because uh, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Because I do think that there's, God, I wish I could just speak openly about sex and stuff on the podcast. There's like a few things that I feel like are really underrated. I think kissing right away after you meet someone is really underrated having sex early is overrated like jesus you should wait with having sex it's much better like having sex on the first date it's it's super tacky but kissing like meeting someone and just looking at them 
I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast or if I talked to Sam about this, but like there used to be this thing where like um my buddy Matt when we were living in Shanghai, he like he wasn't very good with girls and I wasn't very good with girls and we didn't like hang out with a lot of different girls, but we would sometimes get girls and they would be our girlfriends for long times and that's kind of the only way we knew how to do things. But he did have this intensity to his uh, personality and he did have this one way of using the intensity of his personality to where we would like be wasted and and go to clubs and we would hang out and we would drink and then you're at the dan- on the dance floor and and he would do this thing. <laughs> he would do this thing on the dance floor where he would... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. We were we were like twenty one years old or twenty two, you know. And we're you're in the dance floor, and he we would dance weird, you know. We would dance really weird, and we'd seem kind of gay or whatever. And that and it was it was a good time. And then he would just look at girls with this like incredible intensity, and just make this like specific type of calm confident eye contact and then he would just kiss him without saying anything and there's something about that that i just thought was so great and i would i would see him do it and then i'd make him talk about it afterwards and be like so unpack it for me a little bit and then he'd unpack it and he'd just be like you know it's just really great (laughs) and i just always thought that there was something to that this is something to that of like there's just something fun about kissing someone right after you meet them for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's I don't know that this became better, you know? I was embarrassed about a bunch of things and then I felt like if I talk about them maybe they'll be less embarrassing, but I'm honestly not sure. I'm honestly not sure. But we're going to call it there and we're going to say that that's the whole thing and that's the episode. That's fucking episode 157